Hi, everyone. Welcome back to How to College First Gen, where we have real conversations about what it's like to be a first-gen student before, during, and after college. I'm your host, Shiv. Today, we are joined by Grijinder Tour, who is a first-gen Punjabi American from the University of Houston. We will dive into his experiences pursuing a degree in psychology and then pivoting into the fascinating world of computer science. Let's listen in. Hey, Gurjinder. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Shiv. I'm glad to be here. So like I mentioned in the intro, we're going to talk about today the journey that you had to the University of Houston and then also your pivot afterwards into the field of software. But before all of that, Gurjinder and I actually went to high school together here in Cyprus. So can you share with the audience like your journey to, to high school, your journey to undergrad, why do you pick U of H, all of that? Sure, I can definitely do that. As Shiv has mentioned, we both went to high school and University of Houston, just here in Houston. So it was an easy choice for me to pick UH because my family's here and we've been here for the past 20 years or so. So it was just a very easy pick for me to do so, just to be close to my family. Nice. Yeah, and family is super important. They're a good support system. Were you born here in Houston or where were you born? No, I was actually born in Punjab in India. We immigrated to California whenever I was about three or four, and we've been here for the past 20 years from California. Okay. Do you speak Punjabi? Are you fluent in Punjabi? My Punjabi is not as good as I would like it to be. It's, 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 it's okay. It's, it's okay. <laughs> I feel like that about my Hindi. My, uh, <laughs> like, as you know, my family speaks Gujarati a lot, and I, I'm fairly fluent in that. But then going uh, and speaking Hindi with people that are natural Hindi speakers, or even watching Bollywood movies, is always a fun like challenge every time. Yeah, I can definitely understand Hindi, but I just cannot speak it myself. <laughs> it's a first-gen experience of being able to navigate multiple languages. Yeah. Um, okay, but cool. Awesome. Well, I'm glad your family was able to come from Punjab to California to Houston, find your way to U of H, go, all the, uh, go through this journey, um, and still have your family and your support system nearby. Mm-hmm. When you chose U of H, like what major did you end up picking? I actually chose psychology. Cool. And I'm sure that was like, like, like its own experience because you're a first-gen college student as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So then, and I'm sure things like went well that you like highly recommended this, the, the listeners that we have listening in right now and things could have gone better. So maybe let's start with the things that went well. Like what are some of the things that you did that you would highly recommend some of the listeners do when they go through their undergraduate experience? So one of the things I really liked that I did was I had a variety of elective options available to me as part of my degree plan. And I made sure that I diversified as many opportunities I could because I wanted to have as much exposure to classes I could. If I'm required to take electives, then I wanted to make sure that I got the most out of it. And that's essentially how I found my way into my minor of anthropology and potential grad school of anthropology. Um, So having the opportunity to do these things was definitely beneficial to just my overall knowledge of the world, as well as exposure to different cultures and people and so forth. Beyond that, there were a few things I definitely did when it came to strategies. And that, that that definitely helped me a lot, such as making sure that I stacked my classes on two or three days a week because I was a commuter student. 
And I made sure not to focus on having classes on Fridays because I know stress is a huge, important aspect of the entire uh, college life and wanting to be able to manage my classes and stress was a big thing for me. Beyond that, it's just having minimal days of class gave opportunities such as internships and um, just discussing things with professors and so forth. So definitely diversifying my classes as well as just understanding I need to minimize how much stress. So it's, that helped a lot. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. And it's good to be like deliberate about those kinds of things because it's very easy to go for like the easiest classes or the classes that you're most comfortable with the material. But there's something fun about challenging yourself with like something random or unique or interesting that end up sparking something that you never think would get sparked. Yeah, there's there's actually something about that as well, where, where you mentioned about um, challenging yourself and about stress management as well. Mm-hmm. I also made sure that if I had five classes, maybe three or four of those classes would be some of my harder classes and one or two of my classes would be some of the easier classes that I needed to take. That way I'm not stressed with five classes every semester. And that way I manage stress better that way as well. Yeah. 100% something that we should be thinking about. Uh, hopefully your counselors, regardless of what program you're in are cognizant of that as well. Cause I remember in the chemi degree plan, they have the engineering classes generally three to four a semester and then they have the electives or the um, the requirements, the core, like an arts class or a theater mm-hmm. class, something that's a little bit more creative or uh, using a different part of your brain. So it's not as intensive as like five chemistry classes back to back. Yeah, and I've heard those are actually beneficial for anyone because being able to use different parts of your brain can definitely help with the whole creative process, even when you're in very heavy critical thinking field. So I'm glad that universities actually enable students to be able to have these opportunities. Nice. And then your your comment about stacking classes to enable things like managing stress and internships. Because even right now, uh, and in my grad school, I stacked my classes Tuesday, Thursday, mm-hmm. and today's a Monday. <laughs> or I guess you're listening on a Saturday, but it enabled me to have a internship on the day that I have off that I and I can travel to the location I can have calls set up for a specific day at a regular time and all of those things wouldn't happen if my classes weren't stacked because then I'd have like an hour of free time in between classes and I would never have time to actually study or actually get things done so I think managing your stress managing your workload being deliberate about that fantastic advice yeah I think stress management is a huge 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 thing within the universal life so if there's any way that you can manage stress, I think it's it's crucial just for your success. So like, let's pivot over to some of the things that didn't go as well. Mm-hmm. We're, we're first gen and we're human, right? So we make mistakes and we uh, things, we're always learning and improving. So any, any way we can pass down that knowledge would be fantastic. So are there any things that you wish you would have known when you first started your journey at U of H? Yeah, so... I was a commuter student, and historically, University of Houston has been known as a commuter student for a few decades. They've definitely made the change to become more inclusive for student dorms and housing and whatnot. But as a as a result of that, I was definitely one of those commuter students that I think suffered in the sense that I was just not on campus as much as I would like to be. And as a result of it, I wasn't involved in as many organizations or just surrounded by the atmosphere that I, I think I think having the opportunities to be in those environments would have enabled me for even greater success. And another issue with that was I was also not utilizing resources on campus to the fullest. 
um, which which I think had I been involved in some of those organizations or just been on campus more often as a student that dormed there, I, I think I would have been able to use a lot of those resources more. Do you think that some of these resources that you weren't able to use to the fullest were more like technical, like this is like a like a uh, career or academic focused thing, or was it more on the cultural or personal side, or both? I think both, because when you look at it from the academics aspect of it, having access to just your counselors or people whose job it is to essentially pass on knowledge to you, or even interaction with professors, I think would have definitely benefit. I would have benefited from um, had I been more involved on campus. Because the networking aspect of it is also huge. And now that now when you're not in a position to, you know, network with professors or other people um, that might have more knowledge than you, you might not have as much opportunities um, otherwise. Beyond that, from the cultural aspect of it, I, I think I think that definitely would have helped a lot as well. Just just to be able to socialize with peers and have them essentially drive you to success. Nice. I completely hear you that it's very important to be as connected as you can with the campus. Mm-hmm. And given whether it's financial constraints, where it's very expensive sometimes to live on campus depending on uh, scholarships or tuition, and family constraints that folks often have where you have to help support your family at home and you can't afford to live on campus. To, yep. I think those are all like serious and very uh, understandable constraints. So finding some way to being being able to both overcome those and still make the most of your time on campus is is, is a very important balance, it sounds like. Yeah, I, I would definitely say if you have the opportunity to do so, then I think you should take it because I think it also helps to manage your workload a lot better. But if you don't have the opportunity to do so, then I would definitely say uh, try to get involved a bit more if you're able to. Yeah, each incremental activity still helps. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, those are f- fantastic words of advice for our listeners. But let's kind of dive deeper into the field that you chose. You mentioned psychology. Why did you end up picking psychology? I chose psychology because it just interested me. I was very fascinated by the entire career path of psychology. I had intentions of going to graduate school originally for psychiatry, and then I changed it to clinical psychology, and then I changed it to medical anthropology. And I landed on medical anthropology in the end simply because I was exposed to a lot of anthropology through my um, through my diversifying of my elective choices. So had I not done that, I wouldn't have landed on medical anthropology. And in the end, I ended up loving medical anthropology to the point I just wanted to pursue it in grad school. But I, I really love psychology in the sense that I think psychology is just all around us from any kind of behavior we have, such as consumer patterns and consumer behavior and so forth. So I, I think psychology is definitely very fascinating. Yeah, psychology is interesting too, because from a like from a career path perspective, if you're like an engineering student, you go and get a, a master's degree in engineering or you go get a job. If you're in like, uh, if you're pre-law, then you go to law school. If you're, like if you're pre-med, you go to med school. But for psychology, you can choose to go to med school, right? Or you could choose to go get your graduate degree in psychology and be a psychologist. Like, how did that work? Like, how was that decision process? So, yeah, you can definitely go to medical school as a psychiatrist. That's that's pretty much the only uh, career path that you would need to go to medical school. But 
Um, psychiatry is definitely medical school. And then the other fields, you can go and get your master's. You can get a PhD. You could. Th there's a lot of variety of options. So I think I think the best way for you to figure out what exactly it is that you would want to do is to just talk to professors or talk to people on campus that have a better idea of what exactly it is that they do and so forth. So having those conversations because of how diverse the um, career path post undergrad is, it um, make, makes it a bit harder to figure out what exactly you might want to do. And that's, that's where asking people that have more experience than you come in. And you mentioned medical anthropology is where you landed because mm -hmm. of an elective. So you didn't come in knowing that. So you, it, it sounds like you were reflecting during your time over the first couple of years and then figuring it out. Yeah. Like, do you, do you think everyone should have it ready day one or do you think it's okay to explore and figure it out as you go? So I, I think, I think it's very hard. I, I can give you answers for both. On, on one end, it makes sense to have some kind of idea of what you want to go into and that can definitely help drive you to the future. But at the same time, when you're pivoting around or you're changing your mind on some of these things, it, it might be a bit harder to um, break out of that industry because it, it's it's a very easy for me to say, hey, I want to go into psychology and then switch it to sociology or medical anthropology because all of those fields are very closely related. But if I were to say, hey, I'm I'm a psychology major and I want to become an engineer, that's a bit harder. And I think it makes sense to have some kind of idea, but at the same time, if you end up changing your mind, then that's completely okay. It just it just all fits in the realms of what constraints you have, I'd say. That makes sense. And speaking of, you mentioned that when you first came in, psychology and then medical anthropology was a goal. Mm -hmm. uh, would you still do it again, like a psychology major, or after graduating and pursuing your, your life after, do you think that you would uh, have chosen a different major? I think I would have chosen a different major. And at this point, I for sure think I wish I had chosen a different major. I think a lot of, even though I love psychology, I love the social sciences, and that's where my background is. I think the lack of exposure to a bunch of opportunities I discussed earlier um, by not being on campus definitely forced me to choose to continue the path of social sciences. But after reflecting on it and getting myself into a variety of other um, opportunities, I realized that maybe I would have chosen a different path. So this is where I think being exposed to college life more and understanding your opportunities uh, is definitely helpful. And at the end of the day, if I could go back, I, I definitely would have changed my major. Do you know to uh, to what degree? <laughs> at this point, I would probably have said something computer science related or engineering related because I, I'm really fascinated with agricultural technology. I think that's a huge industry and I'm very fascinated by it. Um, a few years ago, a friend of mine actually spoke about vertical farms and I thought those were the coolest things ever. So um, when, when I when I researched it, I was like, dang, I, I, wish, I wish I was doing some of this. So that's, that's definitely what I would have chosen. Cool. Well, I guess like, and it sounds like you've already pivoted into that, even without a, a degree in computer science, which which is kind of what we should jump into next. What made you kind of realize that like this is the interest that you have? So I think I think my interest in software 
came as a result of COVID. Um, I definitely had wanted to try to program for a few years prior to COVID, but I just never really um, first thought I could do it or really understood it. Because when you sort of look at old movies where they're sort of like hacking into something, it's very intimidating. You you don't really understand it unless you're from that world. So it intimidated me, but having an opportunity through COVID allowed me to realize, hey, this is actually really fun. I really enjoy this. And with technology being the future, I could apply a lot of my um, background in social sciences through accessibility of information and so forth. So I, I, I just fell in love with it because I realized this is really fun and I can create pretty much whatever I want. That's awesome. But I can imagine coming from a psych major or even from any major that's not computer science related and then trying to jump into this world could be overwhelming because mm-hmm. there's so much to learn. There's so many like languages that you could be learning from HTML to C++. Like, where do you start? What tools do you use? Like that entire journey sounds, sounds interesting. How do you kick it off? So there's a lot of free resources online. There's a few nonprofits as well, such as Free Code Camp. They just teach you a variety of different things, and that can definitely be a good place to start. I also consulted with some friends of mine that are within the industry on where I should start, and oftentimes ends up in one of two languages, JavaScript and Python, because those are two languages that a lot of people are able to pick up because of how similar they are to just English. And um, that definitely helps. When it comes to some of the other languages, such as C++, those are a lot harder as your first language because they, they're they not, not very much like the English language. So definitely, I would say, like, look around, talk to people if you can. And there's so many free resources. But people typically end up landing on JavaScript and Python as one of the first two languages. Cool. And then you use these online tools to like do practice questions or like how did you end up like using them? So the best way to learn is, and I, I've realized this through my journey as well as consulting with other people, is learn the basics of any language because once you learn the basics of it, you're pretty much ready to start applying. There's definitely some intermediate and more advanced things that you should learn, but those are more so as a... Uh, need spaces of when you need to use them, you should learn them then. The best way to expand your understanding is just to build simple projects. And it's very intimidating at the start because it, it's very easy for you to go on YouTube and watch someone else code and do a code along. And it can be beneficial, but you're not really learning much. You're just learning to code along with someone. So once you start applying your critical thinking and actually building small projects, that's when you start to learn the most. Interesting. So you mentioned a couple of things from free code camps or like like free code camp, which is like the nonprofit you mentioned or Udemy and YouTube. Yeah. Do you have any recommendations on how to pivot into software? It sounds like those are online resources that people can use. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming computer science degrees at school also have a, a good way of teaching fundamental degree or fundamental things. Is there anything that you learned in those resources that would be interesting for our listeners? Like you should start, you mentioned starting with Java or Python is a good one because they're similar to English. Uh, you should do pro- projects, which are yeah. good, good learning. Are there any other tidbits that are relevant for the listeners in terms of uh, understanding where to start? I can still imagine even with that, it could it could feel overwhelming, you know? Yeah, so 
one correction is JavaScript and Python. Java does exist as a language, and it is easier to learn these days than it was a few decades ago. But JavaScript and Python are one of two. But you can also learn Java. It, it is a bit easier these days than it used to be. Um, beyond that, I think I think the best way for you to find which class or resource you should take is one that you will finish all the way. Because when there's so many resources online through YouTube or Udemy or so forth, it, it's very easy for you to start doing one class and then saying, hey, this isn't for me, and then jump to another class and say, hey, that's not for me, and just continue jumping and not really learning anything. So I would say the best thing for you to do when you're learning is to find one cluster you really enjoy and actually stick with it all the way to the end. Because if you don't, you're just going to keep on continuing the cycle of like finding a new resource and a new resource and new resource. And that actually happened to me at the beginning as well because I wanted to optimize my learning and optimize the amount of time I was spending. So every time I saw a new resource that I thought was better, I would just pivot. And that that definitely hurt me at the beginning a little bit. So just just find one that you like and just stick with it. Wonderful advice. So two final questions for you as we wrap this up. First is because you uh, you've pivoted yourself, and mm-hmm. for any listeners that are list- that are considering a similar transition or pivot in their own majors or careers after undergrad, like do you think it's okay to pivot? Do you do you think people should feel comfortable uh, doing something like that? So I think. The benefit of tech is that, first of all, you don't really need a degree to get it, uh, to get into tech. But that's not to say I don't think a comp sci degree is valuable. I think comp sci degrees are extremely valuable, and people that are in comp sci programs or have the opportunity to go to school for comp sci should do that because not only does it teach you the fundamentals in a way that self taught can't, it also gives you better job opportunities than someone without a comp sci degree. And I saw some of that struggle myself. Um, Beyond that, I think when it comes to pivoting, I think it's completely okay to pivot. But at the same time, I think you should also look at it in the realm of like, am I able to? Am I able to afford to do so and so forth and whatnot? But then at the same time, when you have things such as tech that sort of allow you to pivot easier, I think I think those are great because anyone can essentially go into tech if you have the dedication and the time and the willingness to learn and whatnot. I love that. And it sounds like you, my, my second question was going to be, can anyone pivot into programming and tech? And it sounds like you full-heartedly agree, so, <laughs> agree with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Love it. Well, cool. Awesome. Well, thanks again for taking the time to chat with our listeners. Your journey is very educational from psychology to to computer science. And I really hope the listeners got a lot of value from it. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. I'm glad that I was able to pass on some wisdom. Awesome. Thanks again. Mm -hmm.